Hello and welcome to Hoops in the Hills. I'm Andrew Rogers. Join me as we focus on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia and how the program has succeeded in telling the stories of numerous high school athletes. There was a show for football, but there wasn't any show statewide for basketball. The show's not about just the top teams. We would talk about the same five teams in each class every week and nobody else, and that would be boring. Everybody has a story. Your story's not always if you're winning or losing. More often than not, high school athletics do not receive the appropriate recognition the athletes and schools deserve. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia introduces all of West Virginia to West Virginia high school hoops one night at a time. Executive producer Fred Dameron formulated the concept of a scholastic basketball-focused radio program calling upon several individuals to help make it happen. Rick Marone and I had a conversation with Fred Persinger of Metro News. We asked Fred, Fred, are you ever going to do a basketball show like game night? And he said, oh, that would be really too tough. It would be hard keeping track of all the games around the state. And he just thought that it would be too difficult. So we said, well, hey, Fred, we're interested in trying to do that. Would you help us? He said, sure. We'll help you any way we can. So... We kind of took the game night format, and the next phone call that Rick and I made was to Ryan Epling. And we talked to Ryan on the telephone to see if he would be interested in being the host, and Ryan said he was in. So then what I did is I talked to Dr. Bailey at Marshall and kind of what we wanted to do because we needed a central location, and it was going to take a whole lot of people to do this, and Mm -hmm. the perfect operational place was WMUL. And at the time, James Collier was sports director. We talked, we had a meeting with the sports folks and so forth. So we decided we were going to give it a roll. Director of the program, Marcus Constantino, says the reason for starting the program was because its absence was a glaring omission. It started in my last semester at Marshall in 2013, and it basically started because there was nothing else like it in the state. You always hear so much coverage on football. It's a very well-covered sport, but we didn't really have an equivalent for basketball in the state, particularly at the statewide level. The lead host of the program, Ryan Epling, says the purpose is to further the appeal of high school basketball in the state of West Virginia that's always been present. I mean, we want to serve the basketball community of this state. West Virginia has a rich history in basketball. Mm -hmm. You go to the basketball state tournament in normal times, and a single session of the boys' basketball state tournament will outdraw two of the Super 6 games in football, the state championship games of any two classes combined almost every single year and every single boys' basketball session. Now it is. I mean, obviously the boys' basketball tournament is a little more conducive and fan-friendly from that standpoint. There is great interest in this sport in this state, and we want to serve that interest we want to serve those who are interested and maybe kind of get some of the ones who had an interest and maybe lost it, kind of help get them back a little bit, promote the kids on the floor, promote the communities. With more than 100 boys and girls basketball teams throughout the state of West Virginia, Constantino says it requires the devoted help from numerous people to make the program happen. All the pieces were together to make a program like this because it really you have to have all the pieces when you're doing a statewide show like this because you're talking about 100 and uh, 20 plus teams all across the state it takes a lot of lot of manpower and a lot of resources to follow all that. 
not only is it difficult to follow that many teams in their schedules, but also to be able to put a good program out each week for the viewer and listener. Constantino says it's the crew behind the scenes that makes everything run smoothly. We are a team just as much as, you know, any basketball team. When you're playing basketball, you've got to be able to trust that whoever you're dishing the ball to is, is going to be able to, to drive in and make the shot. And that's kind of how basketball Friday night in West Virginia is, whether it's Mikey or Allie or whoever answering the phones and Fred patching them into the air. Everything just uh, has to be very smooth. And over the past seven seasons of the show, I feel like we've really streamlined a lot of it. You know, everyone knows what everyone's doing and we have comms both through our headsets and through our computers and so you know we're all trying to stay on the same page at all times to make sure that the listener and the viewer are just getting seamless product and they would never know how much is going on behind the scenes to actually put that product on the air. Basketball Friday Night's first program premiered December 8th of 2013 over two non-commercial radio stations WMUL FM 88.1 in Huntington, and WFGH in Fort Gay from 9 p.m. until midnight. The hosts of the program were WMUL alum Ryan Epling, WMUL sports director at the time James Collier, and Tulsa High School girls basketball coach Rick Marone. Epling credits his prior knowledge of high school basketball for being selected to serve as host and making it possible for the program to run smoothly during its early stages. I'm fortunate. I was brought up. My dad was an assistant basketball coach for years. So I grew up at basketball practices. I, I really always had a great interest in, in high school sports. The thing I say about this is that I prepared to do this show my entire life, long before the show ever existed. So I've had that interest in high school sports in West Virginia. I love the community aspects of it. I love going to these little towns and, you know, Having that knowledge, it, it, one, it helped fill the show back then. And now I don't have to fill the show with just like dredging up memories or anything, but I can kind of sprinkle in things that, I, that I've caught from over the years. Constantino says Epling is the perfect fit as lead host for this statewide program. Ryan is like an encyclopedia of sports in West Virginia, if you will. There's really no one better to have taken the lead hosting this program because he does follow everything going on across the state of West Virginia. He's very invested in the players and in the teams and in the storylines even before the show was a show. He was a huge fan of high school sports and high school basketball. And so he really knows what's going on and really wants to tell those stories. Epling and the hosts worked diligently to make certain the program's focus was not on their personalities. James Collier says it was important to network and make contacts with basketball coaches and administrators throughout the state in order to fill three hours of airtime each week. You know, our biggest thing was just word of mouth, really reaching out and trying to get as many people involved on the show as possible, trying to get as many coaches, getting as many players, ways of getting people interested in tuning into the program. Epling says having these contacts allows the program to be free-flowing without following a regimen schedule. We got to the point where we could reach out to just about anybody on a game night. We had a way to contact them. If somebody made an amazing shot somewhere, we had the resources built in to be able to get in touch with them. We plan a lot, obviously, within the week, but it's not as much planning, I don't think, as people might believe, because we want the show to be fresh. We want the show to be a little bit reactionary. You don't want to be fully reactionary, but we want to be able to flow freely based on what happens that night. 
And we don't know what happened that night because the scores sometimes aren't final until we're in the middle of the show. The Basketball Friday Night crew compiled 15 episodes during Season 1. The gang continued to get the word out about the program and toyed with the idea of providing a simultaneous video feed to give people an additional media platform on which to enjoy the program. Of course, we were up in the WMUL studios, and we were just using a very simple camera, and it was almost like a video podcast is kind of how we treated it. It was a radio show. So Dr. Bailey and I had a conversation about the studio downstairs. There was a big HD upgrade that had been done, and it wasn't really being utilized. So what I did is I asked the dean if she would allow us to use the studio so we could have a really good-looking video feed. We didn't change it to a TV show. It's still a radio show. We just wanted to have a good video feed. And the idea behind that was if we had a good video feed, we could then feed it on Periscope, and we could feed it on YouTube, and we could put it on Facebook. And we were very interested in getting on cable channels. And what we had is we had uh, RSN Network, which was feeding it statewide for us. And we also had Suddenlink. At that time, they had a community cable channel before they sold. And we had talked to them, and they said, if you can get us a feed to all of our locations in the state of West Virginia, we'll broadcast it live on our channel. So while Suddenlink was still intact with its community-based channel, and that was for about two years, we were statewide on, on video on your cable channel, too. Host Rick Marone says adding the video component enhances the show. With the video component coming on board just a few years ago, I think it took it to another level with the video. I just can't say enough about Dr. Bailey and the Marshall support. To me, that's what takes it to the point it's at now. It's come light years, and it was great to be there at the beginning. Those days were fun. It's really a blessing to look back at how far it's come. Dameron adds that it's been important to add radio station affiliates from all across the mountain state so the teams may hear themselves locally. I think we're up to about 30 affiliates, and that's AM, FM, commercial, non-commercial, and some television. So the idea is we cover all the high schools throughout the state. Well, you want to have coverage throughout the state, too. So you can hear us on WRNR in Martinsburg. We're on the wheeling station. Uh, you can hear us down in Beckley. You can hear us down here in Logan and, and of course, Fort Gay, and we cover, you know, almost all the way down to Pikeville. So, and I'm kind of explaining, you know, all the tips of the state. We're also in the center of the state, Somersville, Morgantown, Fairmont. We're, we're in Parkersburg, and we're on big stations. We're on 25,000-watt and 50,000-watt stations, and we're on a lot of the little guys in a lot of the little low-power FMs. What it does is a couple of things. All of the teams hear themselves locally. Their coaches and the broadcasters or the newspaper writers will call in from that area about their teams. And the other thing that happens is that they like to hear about what's happening in the other parts of the state because sometimes these teams only meet in the, in the playoffs. So they're really interested, believe it or not, in what's happening in the southern part of the state or the eastern panhandle or the northern panhandle. They're all interested in what's going on throughout the state. 
by adding viewers to the radio and streaming feed, that meant more people were able to tune in to hear about both boys and girls basketball. Epling credits Coach Marone for helping give both boys and girls basketball equal coverage. That is a hallmark of the program. So a big part of what we do also is I think we do a pretty good job of giving the boys and girls equal footing within our show. I won't even say that we necessarily set out to do that. It's kind of how we're all engineered. Coach Marone has coached girls basketball for a lot of years, but he also has a state championship as a boys assistant coach as well. So he has a lot of ties to girls basketball, which was able to help us uh, get to some people that maybe we didn't know right offhand. But that helped us make our girls and boys basketball almost seamless coverage back and forth between both. I think that ability to thread that in seamlessly gives us exponentially more athletes that we reach. A unique way the host determined to honor both boys and girls basketball players was to have a standout athlete of the week feature. This package and interview segment was introduced in year three of the program. Typically, the standout athlete feature alternates from a boy to a girl each week. Constantino says the feature was introduced to tell the fantastic accomplishments of many stellar athletes throughout the state of West Virginia. A standout athlete of the week wasn't with the show from the very beginning. It's a uh, newer element to the show, but we wanted to start that because there are so many exceptional athletes across the state. And again, standout athletes from some of our smaller schools, from some of the, just to be frank, underserved by the media, maybe from towns that don't have a newspaper or just don't have very much media coverage. We wanted to get the spotlight to these athletes that you might not read about here in Charleston or or in Huntington, uh, but they're really making a difference uh, both on the court and off the court. We thought it was very important to dedicate a segment to uh, telling these stories all across the state, making sure that everyone knows all the great things that our student-athletes are doing in their communities and really making, making our state and our communities better. Nominations for the award can be made by coaches, parents, and fans. When choosing the standout athlete, Epling looks for exceptional individual accomplishments both on and off the court. One, I look for something different. What does this kid do that's maybe not common? What is uncommon about this? You know, a great GPA is great and should be lauded and should be celebrated, but that's not all. A high scoring average should be appreciated, but that's not all. I like to see kids that get out in their communities, get out and do things outside of school. Uh, I like to see kids who stay busy in a good way. The feature is typically done by a Marshall journalism student who volunteers with the program. 2018 Marshall graduate Luke Creasy had the opportunity to do several features over the span of two years. Creasy says his relating to the athletes' stories and how they interact in their community are what makes the standout athlete packages distinctive for the listeners and viewers. Stories that you wouldn't probably hear otherwise if we weren't directly in those communities. In small towns across West Virginia, there's always a story. And that's something I was taught young in my journalism career was that there are stories out there. Everybody's got one. You just got to find it. And we had a lot of help from parents and coaches from across the state that would send those names in to us so that we could have a good bunch of kids to choose from. And so when you get talking to some of these kids who are involved in their church or involved in other aspects of their community, they're a lot more than basketball players. I think to be able to to highlight some of those community interactions that that they're with makes makes that something special. Reagan Sharp was named a standout athlete of the week on March 1st of 2019. 
She was, at the time, a senior at Trinity Christian High School and had a Christmas list worth of accomplishments. Sharp says the recognition was good for her and her school to get the exposure for her efforts on and off the court. It was a really cool experience. Not a lot of people get to do that, especially people my age. I get that kind of exposure. And I think it was also great of you guys to not only recognize sports standout and stuff that's going on on the court and on the field, but also uh, what people are doing in their community because that's just as important. The Lady Warriors were approaching postseason play at the time, and Sharp says it helped gain support for the team's run at a state championship. Just such an elite group of athletes throughout the state, and to be put in the category with them also, I think that was quite an achievement. And just to see that, you know, that I could gain some exposure for not only myself, but my team and my community and my school, I think that really just helped us you know, draw some attention to what we were doing and help us gain some support from our school and our community that was really beneficial to us down the line. Head coach of the Trinity Christian Lady Warriors, Mike Baldy, says Sharp's recognition helped empower her to an all-state selection later that month. With the player of the week, there's so much focus on not just the skills or the stats of the player, but what they bring to the community or to the school. And I always thought that was a really admirable thing the basketball night did. So someone like Reagan, who was so, I mean, her list is longer than most family trees accomplishment lists. She has longer list herself. So to be able to see her get recognized for that. And honestly, I think those kind of recognitions through basketball night were, were some of the things that helped her achieve her first team all state status her senior year because people around the state from following basketball night knew and understood what kind of person she was on top of what kind of player she was. Baldy says having a player such as Sharp receiving statewide recognition for her exploits sets the standard for future athletes at Trinity Christian to strive to achieve similar goals. It's always great when you get a freshman that comes in and says, I want to score this many points by the time I graduate, but it, it can also be a little bit scary because you're worried that that's all they're focused on scoring at any cost, but with Programs like Basketball Night that focus on so many more things than scoring or rebounding or just the statistics, it's much nicer to hear a player come in and say something like, you know, I'd like to be the Basketball Night Player of the Week, and I can sit down with them and be like, okay, well, I've had two of those, and let me tell you, you're going to have to do a little more than just score and rebound. You're going to have to be in the classroom and volunteering in your community and things like that. Head coach of the East Fairmont girls basketball team, James Beckman, has had two standout athletes. He says it's always good to be mentioned beyond his team's local area. It's always great to have PR in your program, especially in your school. You can never do enough PR and promote your program as well as your school. I'm a firm believer. You play for your community. You play for your uh, for your school. You don't play for the name on your back. So if, if we can get that East Fairmont out there as much as we can, that's the most important mind. Anytime that we can get coverage, whether it's local or state-wise, for everyone to know where we're at on the map is beneficial to us. While high schools and their athletes are the focus, they are not the only ones receiving exposure and benefiting from the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia program. Because volunteers produce this live three-hour broadcast, high school and college students benefit from the opportunity to get on-air experience while studying sports journalism. We always love to have student volunteers from WMUL, but we also have student broadcasters in high school broadcasting programs all across the state that have become regular contributors to the show. They call us every Friday evening. They actually, to be honest, they give just as good or even better reports than some of the professional guys from the radio stations. And so we love to have their 
perspective. We love to give them that opportunity uh, to reach a statewide audience and get some practice with going on the big microphone and telling everyone in the state how their team, how their program's doing. Current Herald-Dispatch reporter covering high school sports, Luke Creasy, says volunteering with Basketball Friday night gave him opportunities outside the classroom he couldn't get elsewhere. I learned how to talk to high school athletes because it's different than college athletes a lot of the time. you got to kind of feel the room. A lot of times, if they haven't spoken to the media before, you'll get one or two word answers. But just being able to get comfortable with the conversational style of how to interview particular athletes at the high school level, even coaches too, that has directly translated into where I am now. I've been a lot of time in Wayne County covering three high schools, Spring Valley, Tulsa, and Wayne. And I had that experience going into it. I knew a little bit about each respective class in West Virginia, single, double, triple A. I knew something about those teams, too, because of having been around the show. So it made that transition pretty easy. Just another added benefit of being a part of something like that because you do get to lay the foundation. With basketball Friday night lasting three hours each Friday night during the high school basketball season, the crew wanted to keep people entertained throughout the program. The hosts invite resident referee Bo Anderson on the program when he is available. There is also a segment at the end of the show for Martinsburg Journal sports writer Rick Kozlowski. So much of Basketball Friday night is people and personalities. At the core of it, we are a sports center-like recap show. We want to be so much more than that. We want to be entertaining. We want to make people laugh and give people a reason to stay with us all three hours, not just to tune in and hear the score for the games in their area. We want to give people a reason to keep that radio locked on us. Along this journey, Basketball Friday night in West Virginia has added hosts Bill Cornwell and Joe Linville who both have previous experience working with high school basketball. I was really intrigued with the show and how it came together and how it worked and having the opportunity to reach out to so many coaches and student athletes. I'm a sports fan, so anytime I get the opportunity, I enjoy you know calling and broadcasting games, and that was just something that really intrigued me, and, and I really enjoyed being a part of the team. Likewise, Bill Cornwell's involvement with high school athletics made him a suitable choice. I love the sport. I've been involved with it both as a media member and also I've worked PA announcing and worked with high school basketball coaches since back in my college days at Marshall, actually. So as a fan, as a participant, I've been involved with high school basketball for 40 years plus and just love the sport. And I love the, the fact that we're able to tell stories. James Collier, who after his graduation is no longer a host on the program, says it's exciting to realize how far the program has come since its beginning. You know, the one thing I love to see the most is, is when I do get a chance to tune in is I love seeing how the studio looks and how it's changed. You know, I can think about episode one uh, of the pilot season. You know, we're in the, the studio there in WMUL upstairs on the other side of Studio A and that circle table, that's where we started. And from that point, then the video thing kind of became a part of the element. And then we, when we moved downstairs into the television studio and we started working in and getting the, the jersey, I believe a Spring Valley jersey was the first jersey that we put in. But all of the jerseys started rolling in and the graphics and the backdrop and stuff. So just looking around and seeing how much has been added, I think that's one of the neat parts of it because each one of those jerseys reflects a team that we're covering. That's kind of a, a thumbs up from them of saying, hey guys, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing. 
and, and we want our name to be out there and be able to be seen too. So I think it's a pretty cool accolade as well. Collier says the most important thing he took away from the program was to never let someone tell you something can't be done. No dreams too big. There was a lot of people that said it couldn't be done. There was too many games. There were too many sports going on, too many moving pieces. And we found a way to do it. And it didn't always work the way we wanted it to. But in the end, we found a way to piece it together and make those pieces work. And after a couple of seasons in, things really gelled. And as the things gelled, that's when we were able to start taking that next step forward and expanding on the program. Rick Marone says it's remarkable to see exposure and credibility build from the program. Well, it's amazing. The interest of the program, the way that it has morphed into what it is now, it reaches so many people through so many platforms. Not even Fred or any of us that were up in WMUL's classroom studio. We had homemade signs that were made by hand. Uh, me, Ryan, James. Fred and Marcus and all the guys behind the scenes, it's really come so far in its reach and exposure. Marone continues to coach and host when his schedule allows. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's worked out pretty well. The last couple seasons, it's almost been a 50-50. I've either been in the studio, but the other half I've been out on the road, and then they they still include me, Marcus, and Fred and all of them. So I've done parts of the show from Tennessee and other places when we've been on the road and all kinds of parts unknown, as we say. But I think it's that connection through the technology. And then we have such a great bunch of people that step in. You still feel a part of it even when you're not there. And The basketball Friday night in West Virginia program goes beyond just a three-hour broadcast on Friday nights. Epling says the three-hour program is not over but continues throughout its social media and website to continually cover high school boys and girls basketball teams throughout the entire week. It's a little bit more raw, but it's also fresh and it's also real. I think our show is very real, very real time in terms of getting scores in, getting results, getting information out about those games. But that's only half of it. I think the show is really only about two-thirds of what we do. And I think maybe even a half is probably a better estimation because the Twitter account, which gets the scores out, and the website, which has the scores, which is updated every night, throughout the season really becomes a one-stop shop for people to go and get their coverage of high school basketball. Epling, having been the lead host from the beginning, says he continues to host because he is doing what he loves. I love basketball. I love broadcasting. Obviously, I went to school to broadcast. In my mind, the show is an opportunity to take things I care about and put them to use. Other people find that interesting and I can entertain them, that I'm doing, that's what I want to do as a broadcaster. But to talk about something I enjoy, who doesn't want to do that? And I'll do it as long as it's available for me to do. Dameron says the program continues on because nothing else would replace it and because of the family atmosphere behind the scenes. One of the reasons I like to keep coming in, it's a good quality program. There's nothing out there like it, and there will be nothing to replace it. So if we didn't come in and do it, well, no one else would. That whole exposure and good quality radio programming, it's live from 9 to midnight. It's a lot of fun, too. Everybody really enjoys themselves, and we try to make it an environment where everybody does enjoy doing the show. We've become kind of a big family. The fun carries over after the program is complete. Each Friday night during the high school basketball season, Sandy Johnson, a friend of the program, cooks a meal for the crew. You think we have fun on the air. Off the air is really we bond. We're friends. We're all friends. I can't say enough about Sandy Johnson, who cooks for us now. 
just about every Friday night. And she works as a nurse. She's got a highly stressful job as is. She works bad hours, don't we all? And But her especially, my goodness. And yet she takes the time to make sure we're fed before we go home on a Friday night, just for coming in and spending three, four, five hours roughly. Uh, on Friday nights, and she takes care of us. Everybody's just so good to each other. Over the course of eight seasons, Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia has broadcast more than 100 episodes. The program has received a numerous amount of awards over that time. Despite its success, Constantino still has more ideas to make the program better than it already is. A game streaming is one of the big things now, even before the coronavirus, but especially now with the virus. I would love for us to be able to have a game of the week, go to some game somewhere in the state on Friday nights and really give that game extra coverage during the show and, of course, stream it live on our website at basketballnight.com. I think we really need some more resources and some volunteers to get to that point, but I think that would be great. Give it the, the college game day treatment, if you will. Be there live after the game with reports uh, from the coaches and from the players. Really showcase uh, one big game in the state, broadcast it live all across the state on our website. Hopefully we can get that going. I think that would be a lot of fun and think a lot of people would enjoy that. It really does take a lot of resources to do something like that. I invite you to listen or watch the program if you have not had the opportunity to do so. Check out basketballnight.com to find a radio affiliate near you. You can watch the program on YouTube and Periscope. I wish to thank Marcus Constantino, Ryan Epley, Rick Moreau, Fred Dameron, Phil Cornwell, James Beckman, James Collier, Joe Linville, Luke Creasy, Reagan Sharp, and Mike Baldy for making this program possible. Thank you for joining me. I'm Andrew Rogers.